Okay, good morning church. It's a joy to be with you today. Um, We had a wonderful, wonderful conference on Friday with believers from all over the country, Cape Town, KZN, all over Gauteng, number coming from Northwest, just a wonderful time uh, focused on God's word and God's glory and uh, just so thankful for that. For those of you who weren't able to join us for that, the uh, recordings uh, will be made available soon and we'll let you know about that as soon as they are available. Now last week we looked at how God intends to grow us through the local church. As each of us Equipped by the preaching and teaching of God's word, speak the truth in love into one another's lives. And it's not too often that I'll ask this, but I would like anyone who wasn't here last Sunday to go and listen to that message. The audio is available. We'll uh, we'll, uh, be posting that on the church WhatsApp groups. You can find it through the church website. I would like everyone to listen to that sermon, though, because I think it is so key in understanding how the local church is designed by God to work. And I want each of you to not only benefit from God's design from the church, but also to play your role in God's design for the church. And, um, you know, as our passage last week tells us, the church grows as each part faithfully does its work. Now I said last week that the ministry, this ministry of speaking the truth in love, is very wide ranging. It addresses a variety of needs in the lives of those in the church. And last week we specifically looked at the need we all have to grow, to mature, in Christ, right? We need this. We need to know more about who God is and what He's done for us in Christ. We need to know what He calls us to, um, but we also need to be trained. We need to to actually learn how to practically live out aspects of the Christian life. And we looked at the reality that when we start the Christian life, we're all babies spiritually. And that's true even if we're adults physically or even senior adults physically. And babies need to be taught. They need to be taught a lot. And they need to grow up. And this takes time. And all of us, right, all of us still have a lot of learning to do. Because what are we learning about? We're learning about a great and glorious God. A God that we can never know fully, a God that we will never grow tired of learning about. It's an inexhaustible, he rather, is an inexhaustible subject. And further, right, we are looking to grow into maturity, which is described in scripture as conformity to Jesus, Christ-likeness. And that is a lifelong journey because we are never fully like Christ, not until he returns, right? So today, we're going to look at a different aspect of speaking the truth in love. Today, we're going to look at our need for perseverance, our need to stay on track in the Christian life and to keep going. We're going to look at our need for a community that helps us evaluate if we are on track, and that helps us keep going when we want to give up and stop, when it feels like too much, when we're tired, when we're overwhelmed, when we're not motivated. I'm sure many of you will recognize the words from this old hymn, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace, Lord, like a fetter, Bind my wandering heart to thee. Tie tie my heart to you, God. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O take and seal it. 
Seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wonder, tending to wander, inclined to wander away, easily wandering. Are these words true? Are our hearts prone to wander? Does the Bible suggest that this is in fact a tendency that we have? Well, Hebrews 3.12, part of our text this morning, uh, says this. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. It is true. Scripture does warn us about our heart's tendency to wander away. In fact, Hebrews 2.1 even uses this word of drifting. We can drift away from God. I'm sure you've, uh, well, actually maybe some of you haven't been at the beach, but at the ocean, one of the dynamics you've got to be aware of when you're swimming in the ocean is how strong a current can be. A current. And you can, you can just put something in the water and uh, you can think, okay, it's, it's fine there. There it is, floating. Um, but, you know, if you leave your boogie board there for, for a little bit too long, the next thing you can turn around and realize, well, it's all the way over there, right? It's drifted. It's been, it's been taken away. Nobody's kicking it. Nobody's pushing it. It's the water's just taking it. It's drifted away. And we can wander off the wrong way with our hearts interested in other things. We can get caught up in listening to other truths, right? Things that people claim to be true, that seem more attractive to us for one reason or another. We can pursue temptations that seem to offer us more pleasure, or at least more immediate pleasure. A major metaphor in the book of Hebrews is that of a race. And the race that the book of Hebrews is talking about is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And a big theme of this book is motivating us to keep running that marathon all the way to the end because it's worth it. Because it's worth it. It's long and it's hard, there's no doubt. Right? There's no shortening the marathon into a little sprint. There's no making it easier. It's long and it's hard, but it is well worth it. And some of the major dangers we see in this book are our tendency to get tired and to want to give up. Our tendency to get distracted by other things. We can decide that all the hard work of living for Christ isn't really worth it, and we just stop running. But Hebrews makes very clear, if we turn away from God, or we give up running, there is no salvation for us. There is no salvation for us. Okay. Now, I realize this might sound a bit confusing, because you might be thinking, okay, I thought, thought this church taught the doctrine of eternal security. I thought this church taught the perseverance of the saints. I thought this church taught that once we're saved, we're always saved. What about passages like Romans 8 that talk about how nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Don't we believe that all true Christians will persevere and all true Christians will finish the race? We do. We do. But brothers and sisters, you finish a race by running it. You finish a race by running it. And by running it all the way to the end. You don't finish a race by leaving the track of the race. You don't finish a race by sitting down and stopping. You have to keep going all the way to the end. And what the Bible shows us is that true Christians will persevere in their faith until the end. They will keep running. And they'll keep running all the way to the end. We believe, so we run. And we keep running. 
On the other side of that coin, the Bible also makes wonderfully clear, wonderfully clear, that God will preserve us until the end. God will keep us. God gives us what we need in order to run this race. We don't earn this. It's not of our own energy. It's not of our own effort. It's not of our own you know, goodness or anything about us. It's all God. He helps us run this race, and he helps us keep running it all the way to the end. You may remember, I hope you remember, our memory verse, Philippians 2, verses 12 to 13, a previous memory verse we did. And we chose this as a memory verse because of its practicality, because of how important it is to remember these truths, right? What does it tell us? It says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Put full effort into your Christian life. For, because, right? God is at work in you, both to will, that's to desire, to want to, and to work to actually accomplish it, to actually live it out. And you may remember that I paraphrase this verse along these lines. Because God's at work within you, if you fight, you will win. So fight. Right? Fight. Because God is at work within you, and you're guaranteed to win. Therefore, fight. Right? So if we tweak this with a metaphor here of running a race, running a marathon, because God is at work within you, run. If you run, you will win. If you run, you will win because God is at work within you. God is helping you run. But you must run. Brothers and sisters, God will give true Christians all the help we need to run this race all the way to the end. God will give you all the help you need to run the race all the way to the end. And here's what I want to really, 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 really get across to you today. You've got to to embrace this. You've got to remember this. A big way that God does this A big way that God keeps you going. A big way that God sees you through all the way to the end is through you. Through y'all. Through the church family. Through all of you. Together. God preserves Christians all the way to the end as we persevere in running the race together. All the way to the end. God works through you to get your brothers and sisters over the finish line. He works through your brothers and sisters to get you over the finish line. You don't run this race alone. We're in this together. We're running together. We're following Jesus together. And today we're going to be in the book of Hebrews to see how we can take advantage of God's kind gracious design in the church, in Christian community, in us living out this life together as God intends so that you can persevere to the end and so that you can help others persevere too. We're going to be looking at two passages primarily, both from the book of Hebrews. And uh, remember, this book is a long, basically a long sustained argument For us to persevere in the Christian life because of the truth that Jesus is better than anything and everything else. He's the only Savior and following Him is worth it. Following Him is worth it. And these two passages that we're looking at today highlight the role of fellowship, the role of the church, the role of community in our perseverance. We already looked a little bit at Hebrews 3, 12 through 13, um, but here we go. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, 
leading you to fall away from the living God. Verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And then you know this passage, I hope you do. Our memory verse for the current month, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Those are our texts. So how then, how then can we take advantage of God's design for fellowship and community so that we persevere to the end and help others persevere too? First of all, we need to guard our hearts together. We need to guard our hearts together. And what do I mean by this? Well, in the Bible, the heart is the inner you. It's how you think through things. It's it's how you, it's what you value. It's what you desire. It's what you live for. It's what makes you tick. And your heart expresses itself in your life. I've heard someone say before, show me your calendar. And well, okay, it's obviously an American thing. Show me your checkbook, right? We don't really use checks here. But show me your, your, your calendar and show me your checkbook and I'll tell you what's going on in your heart. In other words, show me how you spend your time and show me how you spend your money and I'll tell you what you really love. I'll tell you what you really live for. I'll tell you what you really value. Your heart expresses itself in life. Okay? You can say you love certain things, but if you don't prioritize those things, you don't love them as much as you might say you do. Okay? You see what you really want. You see what you really love in how you live. Your heart expresses itself in life. As the heart goes, so goes your life. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Right? And as our passage in Hebrews 3 says again, right? It's possible to have an evil, unbelieving heart that leads you to fall away from the living God. If your heart is unbelieving, you don't run. You don't follow. If your heart is unbelieving, leads you to follow fall away from the living God. So we have to watch over our hearts. We have to consider, what is it I'm believing? What is it I'm valuing? What is it I'm living for? Really. What am I really valuing? What am I really living for? I can tell myself lies all day long. But what am I really valuing? What am I really prioritizing? What am I really living for? As one pastor has put it, we need to talk to ourselves and not just listen to ourselves, right? If I'm going to watch over my heart with all diligence, I want to, I want to encourage my heart in a certain direction. I don't want to just passively let my heart take me here or take me there. So I want to speak truth into my heart. I want to talk to myself, not just listen to myself. We need to learn, basically, to be biblical counselors to ourselves. We need to counsel our hearts with biblical truth. No heart, don't think that way. Think this way. This is what the Bible says. No heart, don't live for that. That doesn't last. That isn't truly valuable. Value this. Live for this. And here's an example of this from... Hebrews 4. If I'm feeling overwhelmed by the Christian life, and I'm struggling with sin, and life's just hard. Life's just hard. And God feels distant to me. And instead of just listening to those thoughts and feelings, 
and allowing them to build momentum and, and allowing myself to get to a place where I'm feeling more and more hopeless, where I'm, I'm just despairing. I remind myself. I counsel myself with truth from Scripture. Hebrews 4 verse 15. We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, right? If that's true, if that's true that Jesus is actually able to sympathize with my weakness because he lived life here on earth, he lived as a human being. He knows how hard life here on earth is. If he's been tempted in all the ways I am, but knew how to stand up to those temptations, succeeded in standing up to those temptations, always honored God in the midst of those temptations, he knows. He knows what I'm going through. So then, verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. He's on the throne and he's gracious towards us. Let's draw near to it so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I tell my heart, you may feel like you are alone. You may feel like no one understands. You may feel helpless and hopeless, but don't be discouraged. You are not alone and you're not without anyone who understands. You're not helpless. Jesus knows. Jesus understands. Jesus is able to help. Jesus is eager to help. Don't, heart, don't entertain those thoughts any longer. Don't wander down that unhelpful path. Stay on track. Go to Jesus for help. Know that he will help you. Keep going. That's guarding my heart from going where it shouldn't go. That's renewing my heart, that's renewing my mind rather, uh, with biblical truth. We all, we all need to do this. We all need to grow in this skill um, because this is something we need to do multiple times a day. This is, this, is, this is Christian living. Catching our hearts as they run this way or that, pointing them back to truth. Waking our sleeping hearts up and reminding our hearts of truth. It's worth it to get out of bed. Even on a freezing cold morning. Right? I think we're all experiencing that at the moment. I don't want to get out of bed right now. <laughs> i got to have a good reason to get out of bed right now. You have a good reason, my friends. You know, your heart... Oh, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do... You have a good reason. Your heart needs to wake up. And how do you wake it up? You wake it up with biblical truth. The Christian life is worth living. It's worth fighting for. We need to learn how to do this and do it well. And, right? And we also need the help of others to guard our hearts. And we also need to help them guard their hearts. We need to be an active part of a church community where our brothers and sisters are speaking the truth in love to us. And we need to be speaking the truth in love into their lives. Now, why, 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 why is all of this so necessary? Well, we've said our hearts are prone to wonder. Here's another thing we can see in this verse in Hebrews 3. Sin is deceptive. Sin is deceptive. It lies to us. Sin lies to us. It's tricky. It claims and pretends to be one thing when it's actually another. We can all be deceived by sin. All of us. We can all fall into the trap of believing the lies of our sin. We think, think we're doing fine, but in reality we're not. So a few examples here, right? We tell ourselves that we're not really doing that badly in the area of purity, but in reality, our thoughts have begun to wander more and more. 
our eyes have begun to wander more and more, incrementally, right? Drifting, drifting. And we've made some foolish compromises on our phones or on our computers. And what we've actually done is we've opened up a door for pornography to begin getting a foothold in our lives again. Might think, I'm not an angry person. It's just about parenting is hard. And children are, are very disrespectful. See, that's, that's what's really going on here. It's them, it's not me, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine, I'm not an angry person. We can tell ourselves we have forgiven someone, but meanwhile, in practicality, every time we see them, we avoid them. Right? And if we're honest, the first thought that still comes to mind every time we hear their name, every time we see them, the first emotion we feel is a little bit of bitterness. We may have excuses for missing church or GC, but we don't see that honestly, we're just not that willing to really make the effort when it comes down to it. Life is busy, I know, I know. Life is busy. But in each of our lives, we can identify, I'm sure, other commitments that we make sure we are faithful to. And if church isn't one of them, that should concern us. In reality, there's a lack of desire, a lack of commitment that should concern us if we're honest with ourselves. So we have to do our best, right, to watch over our own hearts. But we must, it also helps immensely, and it's God's design to get input and help from others in doing this. Because my sin can deceive me, it's often going to be easier for an outside set of eyes to see things accurately, okay? To help me realize that I've been believing since lies and letting it lead me astray. I'm, I'm, I'm believing since. I'm, I'm going along here, right? And then somebody else, somebody else looks at it and says, okay, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Where are you going? The road is here. What are you doing over there? This is part of why there's so much value in confessing sin and sharing honestly about our struggles with one another. If another set of eyes can help you see more clearly, right, then what we need is we need close friendships and we need to spend good time with others. But we also, in addition to that, need to ask one another good questions and we need to commit ourselves to being transparent and honest with at least, at least a few close friends. No one can see every aspect of our lives. There's times when all of us are alone. And even when people are with us, they don't obviously see what's going through our heads and what we're feeling in our hearts. But questions, good questions, can draw that out. Okay? And as we love one another, as we seek to help one another, we want to know, how are you doing? How are you really doing? So we ask good questions. Give someone an opportunity to show us, to bring into the light what's going on in their lives, what's going on in their hearts. And then we invite them to look and to tell us honestly what they see. Now practically, this can look like asking people to hold you accountable and asking them to pray for you in specific areas. Of course, the prayer is valuable in and of itself, right? Absolutely. And it's, it's, just, it's just a much richer, I'm sure you guys have experienced, when you have had, or many of you, I hope, I, hope, <laughs> I hope many of you have experienced this. Some of you maybe haven't had close enough Christian friendships to have experienced this. But it's a, it's a pretty wonderful thing when you can share with people specific prayer requests, not just general, oh yeah, pray for me, you know. But to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm struggling in this area, please pray for this. And then to be able to, to, to check in with one another and to be able to, 
there's a lot more there's a lot more opportunity to praise God for answered prayer when you've been praying for something specific rather than just in broad generalities. You say, okay, God did help you with that thing. And I guess sometimes maybe it's good. This is good too. Pray for me. I've got this exam. I'm stressed about this exam. Check in with someone afterwards. They tell you it went well. You can give glory to God. That's wonderful. That's, that's a good step in the right direction. But I encourage you to also get to the level of, I used the illustration of children earlier, right? <laughs> Pray for me. Kid number three, driving, I just said that. I just picked that number randomly. It could be kid number one. Yeah. Don't, don't start thinking which of my kids <laughs> in my family I'm saying. Any, anyone, right? Well, or just... My kids, I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself tempted by my children, right? Pray for me that I'll be less irritable with them. And then next week, you check in with me, and I'm going to say, yes, by God's grace, I've been more patient with my children. Thank you for praying for me. Okay? That's what we're looking for. Okay? Um, now, when people ask me how such and such is going, though, right? I have to answer that question. So here's the other piece that's valuable. It's, not, it's valuable that you're praying, but the other piece that's valuable is now, I, I might intend to hold myself accountable to certain things, right? But again, sin is deceitful. I like, to, I like to tell myself I'm doing better than I'm doing. But now when you come to me and you ask me now, how's that thing going? I have to stop and think about that. And I have to answer honestly. <laughs> okay? I have to answer honestly. Now, so, you know, let's take, for example, you said you wanted to be pure with your girlfriend. And your friend gave you some counsel about how you could avoid temptation. And you agreed on the course of action. You agreed on the parameters. And you asked him to keep you accountable, right? But now, when you get asked this question, and you stop and you evaluate things, you realize that actually you're not sticking to what you said you were going to do. You're cutting corners here and there. And you've actually gotten yourself to the point now where, as Proverbs puts it, you're putting hot coals in your lap and thinking you're not going to get burned. You've actually gotten yourself to a very dangerous situation, but you wouldn't have seen it without your friend faithfully asking some nosy, probing questions, right? Out of love, to help you. Another area where this is helpful is, is it's good to get input on big decisions. Things like, you know, do I take this job or not? Uh, should I change churches? Should I date this girl? Should I propose to this person? Should I say yes if this person proposes to me? See, here's the thing. This is true, not only because, like we were looking at last week, you don't have all the wisdom in the world. There's a lot to learn and grow in. But also for a further reason, right? And that further reason is that sinful or idolatrous desires can blur your vision. You think you're seeing clearly, but you're not. Okay? Again, just... As long as we're using this, this idea, this example of, of, of dating relationships. Obviously, it's not wrong for, a, guy to find a, uh, for a, a girl to find a guy handsome or for a guy to find a girl beautiful. That's not wrong. Okay? But <laughs> it helps to have others help you make sure that that handsomeness or beauty hasn't got you to a point where you're not thinking clearly anymore, right? So I ask you, is she godly? And you say, yes, yes, definitely. And I say, well, why do you say so? Tell me about her. And you're like, ah, well, um, uh, she came to church with me once, right? And I'm like, no, that's, that's not what I'm asking, right? 
What I'm asking is, does she love to talk about the Lord? Does she hold God's word in high regard and desire to submit to it and obey it, even when society scoffs at it, even when it's hard? Do you see a desire in her to grow in Christ-likeness? Does she love to serve others? Does spending time with her encourage you to be someone who loves God more and loves others more and to grow in Christ-likeness? Is that, is, is that true? Because if it's not true, why are you dating her? Okay, Why are you dating her? So this is what I'm talking about, right? Is we just realize, we realize sin is deceptive. Okay? And we don't always see clearly. And our brothers and sisters can help us see clearly. Yeah, I mean, it's just maybe to make the point more, to step away from dating examples for a moment. This is true with all, with, with all sorts of things, right? Um, uh, I, I want to take this job. I'm so, it's, it's, it's the job I've been hoping for. It's the job of my dreams. But in reality, right, it's nowhere near a good church. If I go to take that job, I, I don't have a clue where I'm going to church. Okay? Stop. Think. Don't just pull the trigger. Don't just run after that. Or, or maybe the job is just going to, the hours are just going to consume your time. They expect you to work on Sundays maybe. Or, or it, it, you would just have to work so much that you just wouldn't have the time that you have for fellowship and service right now. But those are things that you wouldn't see maybe, right? Without having good conversations with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because all you see is, wow, that's the job I wanted. You may want to change churches, and, and in and of itself, like on paper, everyone can look at it and be like, yeah, that's a good, of course, that's a good church. Nothing wrong with you going to that church. But you have some good conversations, and you realize, you know, the main thing is I'm not actually so much drawn to that church as much as I'm running away from this one because I've got some conflict with people in this church. And it's awkward and I don't want to have to resolve it. So instead of doing what God calls me to do, right? To be at peace with everyone. To have the hard conversations that I need to have to reconcile with this person. Let me, let me just, just go over there. Okay? So easy to not see these things in our own lives. So easy to lie to ourselves. We need the eyes of our brothers and sisters. Okay, number two, we need to encourage one another in our walk with God. Okay, now Hebrews 3, we're told to exhort one another. Hebrews 10, we're told to encourage one another. It's the same Greek word and these, these ideas kind of overlap a little bit. Um, but basically you've got both these dynamics playing out, right? Exhorting each other is this idea of strongly calling each other to do what we need to do. To do what we need to do. So we see through the book of Hebrews, there's often this call to hold fast. Hold fast. In other words, hold on tightly to what you believe. Don't let go. <laughs> Don't stop believing. Don't let go. Keep doing what you need to do. Keep believing. Keep running. Encourage each other carries the idea of seeking to motivate someone who's discouraged, right? Trying to help them keep going, to fill them with hope and motivation. And the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is a great example of this. As the author of the Hebrews points us to one example after another of people who faithfully lived the Christian life, despite its difficulties, who, 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 who kept running the race because God called them to run the race, even though they didn't, there was so much unknown in the future. Moses is a wonderful example in that chapter, right? It says that he chose to honor God over the riches of Egypt. Remember, he was born into the royal family. Well, not born into the royal family, but adopted into the royal family of Egypt. 
But he didn't. He, he made clear, I'm not the son of Pharaoh. I'm one of these slave people. He made a choice like that because rather than the riches of Egypt, he saw that it was better, better to be identified with slave people and honor the Lord. Okay. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. Sometimes we need to be reminded, often we need to be reminded that living for God offers greater and more lasting rewards, more substantial, more, more um, oh, what's the word here? I can't believe I'm spacing on this. Profound, there we go. Profound, right? Profound joys than the empty, short-lived, superficial, shallow promises that sin offers us. Okay? God's ways are better. It's not just that He's God and we must obey Him. He's God and His ways are better. Thirdly, we need to regularly gather with other Christians and be purposeful when we gather together. Now, we talked about this last week, but obviously it's here again in our passage very, very clearly. We need to gather as a church and we need Christ-centered relationships with each other. Sunday worship services are very important to sit under the preaching of God's word week in and week out. My friends, all week long you're surrounded by people who don't believe what you believe. All week long you're hearing the lies of this world. All week long you're around people who are looking forward to the weekend because it's an opportunity to party and get drunk and do this and do that. Are you, that has an effect on you. It does. You're at school, you're studying, and, 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 and what's motivating other people? Ah, the money I'm going to get from this job when I'm done. The way people are going to respect me and look up to me when I'm done. That's not your motivation. That's not why you're studying hard for the exam. You need to come. You need to come and hear God's word. You're hearing lies all the time. You need to come and hear the truth regularly. We sing together. And singing is one key way we mutually encourage each other. See, when we're singing, we're singing truth, right? That's a commitment here at this church. We're not just uh, we're singing fluffy stuff. We're singing truth from God's Word. And so we're, as we're singing, we're, we're, we're reminded of the truth that we're singing. And here's a wonderful thing too. I see you singing it. And I know you believe it too. And I see you singing it from the bottom of your heart. I see the joy that it's bringing you. And I'm reminded, yeah, this is, this is not just a small thing, hey? This is amazing truth. This is profound truth. This is beautiful truth. This is, this is truth to get me out of bed in the morning. This is truth to keep me going even when life is hard. This is truth to bring me joy even in the midst of grief and sorrow and hardship. We're reminded that we're not in this alone. We're not the only ones who believe these truths. We're family in this together, following Jesus together. It's big. And as we live life together in the church, we observe God's work in other people's lives. We realize over time, and, and, you have, and this is another beautiful thing with fellowship, right? Sometimes somebody's discouraged because they feel like they're not making any progress. But if they talk to their brothers and sisters in the Lord, they say to them, are you kidding me? Do you, do you know how much you used to struggle with this thing two years ago? You've forgotten. You don't realize how much progress you've made. You've made big progress, and that progress has encouraged me. That progress has reminded me that God changes lives and that I can change too. And we're encouraged not just by the change we see in people's lives, but by the effort they put in, by their faithfulness, by their consistency, by their commitment, which, of course, again, is all by God's grace. But that, again, instructs us, inspires us. 
Now, fellowship, okay, fellowship um, is an important concept. This is, this is really kind of the whole umbrella of this idea of speaking the truth in love to one another. And here's what I mean by this, though, okay? Fellowship, I think I might be jumping ahead here a little bit, but okay. Fellowship is, is sharing our walk with God with one another, okay? The, so this term can be used for like being involved in a business together, okay? So when we're talking about fellowship, we're not just talking about the fact you're a Christian, I'm a Christian. We're talking about the fact that we're actually sharing in this commitment together, in this, in this uh, shared, uh, shared experience of being a child of God and walking with Him and living for Him. So when you're actually living fellowship out, it's not like, okay, so two Christians getting together and watching a soccer game, it's not like, uh, it's not fellowship just because two Christians are together, okay? That same opportunity to get together and watch a soccer game, to get together for a bride, to get together to go cycling or to go running, or uh, ladies, you might get together and bake together or something like that. That same experience of being together becomes fellowship when you take that time together and you talk about your walk with the Lord. Okay? You talk about Scripture. You pray together. You pray for each other. There's a Christ-centeredness to the time. Okay? And now, I'm not arguing, I'm not saying that two Christians can't watch a soccer game together, etc., we're family, and God's given, given us lots of good gifts in this life, and we should enjoy those good gifts together, and we should live life together as the family God's made us to be. Okay? Absolutely. But let's not forget, right? We have a shared mission. We have a shared mission. We're soldiers in a war. Okay? And we can't just, while we're in the trenches, sure, we can enjoy a game of cards here, right? But we are mindful all the time. Bullets are still flying above our head. There's enemies out there. There's danger. And there's ground for us to take together as soldiers, fighting in this war together. Let's not, get, let's not just play cards forever and ever, right? Let's not just watch soccer and talk about soccer. Fellowship. How does God want us to grow? Who is our God? What have you been learning from Scripture? How have you seen God at work in your life? How have you been seeking to grow lately? Here's something I'm confused about. Help me think through this. Please pray for me in this area. Fellowship. Showing love and affection to one another on a Sunday or whenever we see each other, but certainly as we gather on a Sunday, it's, it's, it's something that's quite a remarkable thing, actually, right? There's, there's a number of actually commands that, that, that are very, very clear about the importance of greeting each other warmly, the importance of showing each other love. And see, here's the thing, right? We love one another because God first loved us. We're family because God has adopted us into his family and he's our father. That's what, that's what makes Jimmy my brother. Okay? So when I love him as a brother, what am I reminding him of? I'm reminding him of the fact that we are family. I'm reminding him of the fact that he has been adopted by God. That the gospel's true, right? Your willingness to forgive me, your willingness to bear with me, your willingness to keep loving me no matter what, your willingness to view me as a brother reminds me that this is all true. The gospel is real and we really are family. Our GCs, I know not all of us can, can attend. I know not all of us can attend every week, but I encourage you. It's a great opportunity to cultivate this stuff. It's a great opportunity to get to know one another and to not just know each other, but to know how life is going for somebody, right? 
you know, I can, I can spend several hours with you and get to know your life story pretty well and, and uh, uh, know your aspirations, know, a number of, you know, know how you met your, met your spouse and know how you came to be at this church and know the theological journey God's taken you on. And all of that's good and valuable and I encourage you to learn those things about each other. But if I haven't had a good talk with you in the last three months, I don't know what you're going through now. I don't know how you're doing now. So GC, is an, is a, it's just another regular opportunity to see each other and to be able to catch up with each other and, and okay, that thing I'm praying for you about, how's that going? And then next week, how did it go this week? Next week, how did it go this week? Okay, hugely valuable. All right, uh, man, let me jump ahead here. All right. All right. Fourthly, we need to consider others with the intention to stimulate them to love and good works. Okay? We need to consider others with the intention to encourage them, motivate them to live a life of love and good works. The verse reads, Consider how we may stir one another towards love and good deeds. More literally, though, it could be translated, consider one another so that you can stir one another up to love and good deeds. What's the difference? What am I getting at here? I'm getting at something that's a lot more personal, a lot more customized. It's not, we're not just talking about a one-size-fits-all thing here. We're talking about caring about the individual, loving the, the individual thinking about their life circumstances. We need to get to know people well enough that we can love them according to who they are and to what they're going through. What would be most helpful to them? What opportunities they have in their life, etc. And then we can encourage each other towards, um, um, to, more specifically towards opportunities right to be fruitful and to to show love to others and and to do good works so um if i'm aware for example silly example perhaps but simple example but um let's let's say i know uh somebody lives in marble piney and they have a car okay i know that much about them all right well now when I meet a visitor who comes, and I know they've come all the way from Mabopani and they had to take multiple taxis to get you, I'm able to think, ah, I got an opportunity here to, to spur this, to stir this person up towards love and good works. Specifically, okay, I can say to them, so-and-so, please meet so-and-so. You have a car, you live near where they are, can you give them a ride to church next week? Here's the number, right? Um, maybe I know, um, man, this couple, they're just absolutely exhausted. They're overwhelmed. They've got two small children. I was talking to the husband and he feels like, uh, he, he hasn't had a chance to just spend focused one-on-one time with his wife. It feels like forever. Okay. Now I can think not just generically, but I can think very specifically, ah, let me volunteer to take care of your kids so that you can go on a nice proper date. Okay? Now that's not that's not something that's just that works, that's not a generic thing. That's something very specific for the needs that those couple that, that couple's going through at a particular time. We love each other enough to learn about each other, right? And to think about what's most helpful for this person. Right? We want to partner together, right? So as we think about our Christian life, we don't just think about, okay, I want, to, I want to do more evangelism. We think, who can I ask to do more evangelism with me? We think, uh, you know, I want, to, I want to serve in the church in a specific way. I'm not serving in a specific way right now. I heard about these needs. Okay, I'm going to do this thing. Let me also encourage my friend to come and do this with me. I think about people in the church, I think, okay, so-and-so could probably use a good friend. 
if I'm able to be that friend to them, great. Okay, but no, I, I don't live near them. Uh, uh, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so do live near each other. Let me encourage them. Hey, why don't you, why don't you grab a coffee with, with so-and-so this week? She was just telling my wife the other day that she really wants a friend. Okay, you live close enough. You can walk to her house. You, you, can, you, can, you can touch base through the week. Spur one another on towards love and good works. Okay. Basically, right, what I'm encouraging you towards here is, is this idea of, okay, I've got a church full of people who are my family in Christ. And I'm living for the Lord, and I'm running this race, and now I want to think about, I want to I daydream. I, I want to I I brainstorm. What can I do to help them live the Christian life? Right? To help them keep running. To help them be, be, be a greater blessing. To bring more honor and glory to God. To help them grow. To help them serve, etc., etc. And then, and, then, and then you think about this stuff and you don't just stop with thinking about it, right? You come up with the ideas and then you, and then you go. You go, you go, you go. Okay? Talking to them, giving them ideas connecting people, serving them, taking care of various needs as you can, speaking truth into their lives in love, encouraging, exhorting. Firstly, we need to be urgent and diligent about this. Right? We're told to do this every day. And while it is still called today, don't just wait till tomorrow. Don't just wait till tomorrow. Do it, do it today. Do it as soon as you have opportunity. Do it, uh, you know, obviously life is busy again and there's only so much we can all do. But, but let's, let's be as urgent about this as we can. Let's take these opportunities as we can. And why, why? This is scary, right? But because sin hardens. Sin hardens. If you're someone who does manual labor, right, your hands develop calluses over time. At first, you know, you might be laying bricks, and after a full day of laying bricks, you've got, you've got um, blisters on your hands, right? But after doing that for a few years, you do a full day of work, and you don't feel a thing. You don't feel a thing. Your skin gets harder, you feel pain less. Same thing happens to our hearts with sin. Our hearts are supposed to be sensitive towards sin. They're supposed to react. We're supposed to feel conviction. We're supposed to feel, no, don't go there. Don't do that. But if we're not careful, right, the longer we persist in sin, the less sensitive our hearts get. Don't even feel it. And then, why else? Because the day is drawing near. The day is drawing near. Our friends often will see this in Scripture, right? The return of Jesus is something that Christians look forward to. It's something we long for. Come, Lord Jesus, come, right? But we can only really pray that, we can only really long for that, if we are currently turning away from sin and living for him. The guy who's sitting at his computer looking at pornography, right? The person who's at his job currently knowingly ciphering off some money or not reporting something so that they can just, you know, okay, they were given this money, go buy such and such. And it was actually on special. Come back, they pocket the extra money, whatever. That sort of thing, those active decisions. I'm stealing, I'm lusting, I'm committing adultery, I'm committing uh, fornication. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actively doing sinful things. One of the lies you tell yourself, right, obviously is, no, nah, it's, it's, it's okay, right? Nobody's going to see <laughs> 
I've got a chance to, I've got a chance to change later. I can make a change later. Scripture tells us Jesus' return could be now. Right? Could be now. And if I know that that's true, right? If I know that that's true, I'm not okay with, with talking to you about the, your drunkenness a month from now. I'm not okay with talking to you uh, about how you've, 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 you've got caught up in, in, in this sin or that sin two months from now. I need to talk to you now. The day is drawing near. The day is drawing near. Jesus is coming. Am I ready? And are the people I love ready? Right? Okay. Now again, very important. We're not talking here about we're not talking here about salvation by works. We're not talking about um, we're not talking about uh, people living a good enough life to earn their salvation. Let me be very clear on this, right? How are we saved? I'm saved because Jesus and Jesus alone lived a life that pleases God in absolutely every way. Okay? And when he died on the cross, he paid the price for my sins. He paid the penalty that I deserve. Okay? I, I had earned the wrath of God against me. And Jesus took the wrath of God for me. Okay? And his perfect life earned God's reward. Please, God, perfectly. And Jesus gives that to me when I put my full, complete faith and trust in him. Right? But when I believe that, when I believe that, I live for Jesus. Unbelief, an unbelieving heart, chooses sin and persists in sin. Okay? The longer you persist in sin, the more reason you have to, to, to ask yourself, do I really believe? Do I really love Jesus? Am I truly a Christian? Or do I just know some things about Christianity? Does my heart belong to Jesus? If your heart does belong to Jesus, you're going to choose to say no to sin. You're going to keep sinning, I promise you. You will. Right? You're going to, you're going to mess up. You're going to sin. That will happen, sadly, unfortunately. Right? But, when you, but, but you're not going to allow yourself to persist in sin for very long. When you see it, you're going to turn from it in sorrow, asking God for forgiveness, receiving forgiveness, praise God. Okay? And then asking God for help to turn away from sin and to live faithfully for Him. And praise God, He gives you that help. Okay? That's what we're talking about here. And we're talking about the fact that sometimes you're not the one, right? Sometimes you're not the one to, to, to catch yourself. Sometimes you're not the one to see where your heart is really going. And we need each other to say, oh, hang on. Right now you're not really living like you believe. Right now you're not really living like Jesus is your Lord and King. Right now you're not really living like someone who knows that Jesus is better than sin. Right now you're not really living like someone who has been forgiven and has more to live for. Okay? And then we encourage each other. Yes, it's hard. <laughs> yes, that, that, that lie is a pretty convincing lie. But... Here's what's true. Okay. And here's why living for Jesus is worth it. Keep going. Keep going. We, uh, some of you, I'm sure, have seen pictures from Comrades Marathon, right? Some of the people who finished the race. Actually, I think, I think they made this illegal, or not illegal, but against the laws recently, or, or I don't know. Anyway, once upon a time. Comrades Marathon, long, 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 long race, okay? And a lot of the people finishing that race, they, they, it used to be this iconic thing. I think it still is, but I, I haven't seen footage of it in a long time. But anyway, the idea is you get to the end, 
and your legs are like jelly underneath you. Right? You, 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 I mean, literally, people are like trying to finish this race and they're like, like, you know, look totally drunk. They're meandering around the course and, and falling over, right? And then oftentimes, right, the, the, one of the beautiful ideas of the race is then people come, they pick you up, put their arm over your shoulder and ah, let's keep going, let's keep going. And they get you across the line. They get you across the line. That's what we're talking about, okay? That's the Christian life. We're in this together. We're in this together, and, and you're going to help me cross that line, and I'm going to help you cross that line. We're running the race together. We're following Jesus together. And at the end, at the end, Hebrews makes this wonderfully, wonderfully clear, right? This is an incredible, glorious future with our God. Right? That's what we're living for. That's what we're running the race for. And um, I'm, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I'm not, I'm not doing it alone. I'm thankful I've got you. Um, I hope you're thankful you've got one another. I hope you, you, you take hold of this, right? Because, again, this isn't just something that happens to be true. This is God's design. He's given you to each other to help each other run and run all the way to the end. Amen?